Welcome back to class, everybody. It is time for a new episode of your favorite podcast, Satanic Study Hall. What's going on? Um, fuck, it's been a busy season. It's been ridiculous. It's been a ridiculous season. Hell, we haven't put an episode in a couple months, but it is good to be here, and we have got a lot in store. As promised, we initially featured our first edition of our recovery series. Uh, and that was done by talking to priest Joe D and Reverend John Aldridge. And that was just absolutely beautiful. And I do want to shout out Dennis who he is actually here in class. Hi, how is everyone doing he today? Sure is. He's actually in the room. Dennis and is in class. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis does have pants on today. That's a beautiful thing. But then Dennis. Dennis did a good job on that episode and we are going to continue that journey. Um, so let me officially welcome everybody back to class. My name is Bill. I'm a Satanist, and today I am joined by... Hi, I'm Dennis Morningstar, your friendly neighborhood Satanist, and I am wearing pants today. Hi, I'm Sean, a.k.a. Happy Cat, and I too am wearing pants today. <laughs> I'm wearing shorts. I, well, I, usually I am don't... actually drinking coffee as we speak. So am I, but I usually I do will, not wear pants. That's I what I'm saying. I alert the media. Really fucking proud. I'm proud of you. And I can't tell if our uh, guest here is wearing pants, but we are also joined by friend and longtime supporter of Satanic Study Hall, Pete Gorgon Ramshead, uh, our Satanic chef, uh, who also did a fucking awesome job on our Walpurgis Knock special. That was kick ass. So welcome, Pete. It is great to have you in class. Hey all. Yeah, it's good to be back in class. I think maybe I've probably turned up about as many times as Dennis by now. Yeah, is that so, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, moving forward, um, uh, we're a podcast that talks about Satanism from its inception to modern day. Um, we have a lot of fun doing this, and uh, I do want to take this quick opportunity just to thank everybody for listening. We wouldn't be here without the support of the community from day one, you know, back in July 2020, you know, pandemic era beginning of the pandemic uh, pandemic era it's been it's been so much fucking fun yeah so enough of that fucking mushy mushy bullshit <laughs> so satanic study hall has been rather busy lately you know in our in our personal endeavors but we just had the opportunity to attend the very first unconvention yeah, man. uh that was a lot of fun uh we had a booth and we put on a panel called living deliciously on the left-hand path mm -hmm. um shout out to everybody who showed up Seriously, uh, <laughs> fucking awesome. we didn't know what we were getting into um, but if you haven't listened to it we have an unconvention promotional episode that we had put out previous to this uh that kind of outlined what it was and what to expect but it definitely blew my expectation shout out to chloe and mike saga for all the work that they put in um and all the cool fucking stories that i've got from that weekend <laughs> seriously and and all the work they're putting into next year's mm -hmm. yeah it's already booked shit yep. yeah it was a fucking Jeez. blast fucking <laughs> dennis i would really like you to tell us about your experience your first experience <laughs> with the bidet oh, oh oh my god guys i have found heaven if heaven actually exists <laughs> I have never in my life sat on. <laughs> yes, Belial, exactly. And he was there to witness this. Yeah. I have never in my life sat on a bidet. And holy shit. First off, I didn't know how 
or or what to do with it and i had the remote in my hand and i'm like okay so you know like how how clean do i want myself i i i wasn't even taking a shit take take it to 11 i wasn't even taking (laughs) so I, i sat down i put that thing on fucking max blast right i was like okay let's let's do this thing Fucking turn this thing on. This thing fucking rocket shot up my ass, hit my P-spot. I was in euphoria, dude. I have never seen the galaxy light up in colors like that. I, I can vouch because I saw the fucking video. I can't believe yeah. this reaction. Oh my Misty, God. Misty's Coventry uh, also uh, attended Unconvention oh. and was hanging out with us and oh. got it all on video. Now, we, we also wanted to see the range of the bidet, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how far is this thing fucking <laughs> shooting? Like, you know. Uh, How much water is going into my sphincter? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you can't just turn it on because it's got like this pressure sensor. It's got to make sure there's, you know, an ass on it to make to before it before it goes into play. So I guess uh, Dennis Dennis was pushing down on the seat yep. and simultaneously turning it on. And I'm I'm in the room. I'm far across the room by the window. And all of a sudden, I see a stream of water shooting from the toilet through the door and hitting the wall in the hallway. <laughs> and that's exactly. It's fucked up. It was, Can I just tell you that dude, because that thing was straight on my head, so I fucking felt it hit my stomach. Because, oh my God. because of your ex escapades, like we didn't have a bidet. Like we had a bidet, but it was busted. Holy shit! So because of your escapades and because of all, the, my wife actually bought a bidet. <laughs> It's not all fancy and shit like those were, but that I don't thing know. should. I mean, that thing. I think that thing fucking sang to you while you did it. Like, now oh, there was man. just you. No, and shout out to the hotel from the unconvention because not only did it have a shit. bidet, like it warmed your ass while you sat there. Fucking you were all nice and toasty. Now I gotta ask Pete, like. Are, are bidets like common? Do you see them in Germany or, or, or is, is it kind of like, you know, one of those things you'll see at a hotel or something? No, I, 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 I've never seen one here. I don't even know if I've seen one in a hotel here. <laughs> they have weird fucking toilets here, man. You have toilets that basically have a shelf. Dude, it was so. Kind of, you, yeah. They, they, so, so you don't shit right down into the water. It like goes onto a shelf first so you can look at it and then you fucking. <laughs> then you got it. That they're, makes they're, the smell like eighty times worse. Oh my god! Then it's just yeah, exactly, sitting there. Yeah. Do you have to like train yourself to piss weird. afterwards so that you like wash the thing down? Or no, so, so like yeah, you know, you like piss down. There's still a hole, but it's at the front instead, instead what? of underneath, like directly underneath your ass. So like Holy yeah, shit. pissing's no problem, but you've got this fucking shelf with it. Just a pre warning <laughs> if you ever come here. <laughs> The, the one cool part about, you know, all of this was just being able to see everybody with the COVID shit and uh, not being able to go to events like this for so long. Uh, and just all the positivity, like the vendors from the vendors, the performers, the panels to the bands and the DJs and the Jenna torturers. What yeah, right? the fuck? Amazing. Yeah. Shout out to Jen for a hell of an elevator ride. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get yourself some selfies. Yeah, he fanboyed a little bit. I it was did. great. Actually, no. You know what? Sefi fangirled like nobody's business. Really? She really? had no idea who it actually was. She just thought it was one of the performers that was on stage. And I was like, no, honey, this is Jen. And she's like, Jen, I'm like, right, of the Jenna torturers. And she's like, oh, 
Yeah, I had never heard of them before that. That were they were absolutely fucking phenomenal. Oh my god, man! I've been down with them since 120 Days of Sodom, like their very first CD. The Fuck stage yeah. presence and their oh shows and the exhibition that they put on. I mean, that was a mild version from what yeah, I was told. A yeah. very mild version. I have, I think, I have one of their live videos. Like there were there were no there were no piercings. I don't think there was any real self mutilation. No, of, yeah. no. Now, did anybody uh, get a chance to go down and, and see with, I mean, I was there, the uh, the Destruct Principle. They did a 45-minute ritual down there. Yeah, I saw the videos you sent me. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah, shout out to all of our listeners who, you know, made it a point to stop by our booth oh, yeah. uh, and interact with us. And then um, that super special individual, and I'll respect uh, anonymity here mm-hmm. just in case. But, they knew who they um, were. Yes, yes, for who approached us after our panel and, you know, kind of poured their heart out to us. And that was one of the most touching moments of my life uh, to get all weird and sappy, mm-hmm. uh, which made, you know, which makes it all worth it. And, uh, you know, being at the unconvention and putting in the work that we do. So thank you everybody for supporting us, for spreading the word that we were there. We had a much better turnout as far as people stopping by and saying, Oh yeah, I listened to you. I've heard no. of you. Like you never know what to expect. Like no. when you're a podcast, yeah. opening up a booth, you know, a table for a first time at a, convention that's there for the first time like right, it was, there were right. so many unknowns um but it all really you know kind of worked itself out as it went so thank you very much but thank you to everybody and, and not only just the people that came out but everybody that listens like i, I just want to thank you all because i love you all all the messages i get like you know i get to talk with all you guys and and you're all fucking amazing um i i haven't met a single person that that hasn't been absolutely phenomenal i have i've met a couple of fucking douche <laughs> we do want to thank rhett from Dark Art Depository. Mm-hmm, you can check mm-hmm. everything out that Rhett's got to offer at darkartdepository.com. He donated a bunch of cool shit, stickers, um, and has always been, you know, a huge supporter of Satanic Study Hall. And we always want to make sure that our entire listener base has the opportunity to check out that amazing clothing line, sticker line, accessory line, you name it. Rhett's probably got it. Um, and he's also open to ideas and commissions as well. So hit him up. And of course, Sean. Oh, Misty's yes. Coventry, oh, who, yeah. whom we had the pleasure of spending the weekend with at the Young Convention. Sean, we love you. Uh, check out everything Misty's Coventry has to offer on eBay. Um, I think yeah, Instagram, you can follow them on social media. There's mm-hmm. a lot. That's where they keep their inventory updated and posted, where you can see all the new shit. And yeah, those really cool plush shit. Baphomets. Oh, my God. Sold <laughs> yeah. like crazy. I saw them tucked under so many people's arms. Uh, it was great to see. And thank you for breakfast, my friend. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yo. It was great. And for making my daughter seriously uncomfortable. Because <laughs> that shit was hilarious. What part? Oh, we, we, need, she, a, oh my we God. need a story now because that, that sounds like it could be bad. Oh, my God. No, it's hilarious. It's it, She's phenomenal. We all go out to breakfast and... My daughter doesn't like to inconvenience other people, much like myself. Yeah, me. So, so instead of asking Sean to move, she had to go to the bathroom. Instead of asking one person to move, she, you know, scooted past my wife and myself. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I feel like you just fat shamed me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remember that shit. So when she came back, he was like, what? You're not going to try and move past me? What am I, fat? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, I my remember God. That she shit. was like, yes. oh, oh, God, no. no I didn't no, mean it. I no, didn't mean it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Hell of a shout out to Sean for being amazing. And, of Holy course, we shit. can't forget about Erie Twilight, uh, one of the uh-huh, coordinators yeah. of Love City Satanists and the Philadelphia TST Congregation. 
Um, fantastic job. Erie was there all weekend long to support study hall, hold down the booth, yep. uh, spread the word, pass out flyers. And uh, we can't thank you enough for what you contributed to that event. It was great having you um, by our side all weekend. Fucking hail Erie. Absolutely. So we are going to uh, take a little bit of a break here, but when we come back, we are going to get to, as I like to say, the meat and potatoes of today's episode and get down to business because while we just had some fun, um, we've got something to share. So we'll be right back and stay tuned. Can I just have a salad? A lot of people ask me where I get all this cool custom design shit. At Happy Cat Designs, I can shop through their mini collections or work together with them to customize my own. Whether you're looking for customized quality apparel, print medium, or promotional products, the folks at Happy Cat can customize your ideas and make something truly unique. They work with the best vendor partners and products to not only achieve, but effectively express your concepts and visions. To find out more, Visit HappyCatDesign.com Get fucking happy. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time to uh, get down to business and begin our personal journey. Um, Pete has joined us and has really in our conversations with him prior to this episode, really made himself open, available and focused on telling his story whether you can relate to the journey or the story or whether you know somebody else who can through all of my engagements with Pete over the last year and a half. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to have him on the podcast. I'm always humbled when he decides to come on and join or participate in a new idea or a segment. So with that being said, I'm going to cut it over to Dennis and it is time to begin. All right. Hey, how you doing, Pete? It's good to see you finally free and out and back at home. How you feeling? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a long few months, man. <laughs> it definitely has. It definitely has. Been keeping up. Uh, you know, you've been giving all, all, all of us updates on Discord. So, been following. Along. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you guys have kept me sane, okay. and you've been able to see uh, all my del- culinary delights of being stuck in a psychiatric hospital for three months. But, yeah. I, still, I still can't believe they let you have a fucking phone or shoelaces. Yeah, right. Oh, I never yeah. got that. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Like fuck. Shit. These are story these are there's a lot of stories from another time, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> We've discussed plenty of times our uh recovery stories over our recovery chat and things of that sort. And you knew I was doing the sobriety episode and you you know, you you quickly piped up and said, Yo, I would love to be a part of this. And, um, you know, with hearing a, a bit of your story, I haven't heard the whole thing. Um, but it, I loved what I heard. Um and it, you know, it was, it was moving. I wanted to hear more of it. So it was, it was, a, it was a fucking honor to have you pipe up and, and say you wanted to come on. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, kind of where your, where your roads led you. Sure. So as everyone knows, Pete, you might've heard my voice a couple of times if you've listened to other episodes. Yeah. I'm from London, East London, but I live in Germany. I live in Berlin. My, uh, yeah, there's been a big road through to addiction and road to recovery for me, uh, certainly in the past couple of years. Um, and uh, yeah, there's been a lot of things in my life in the last couple of years that have impacted me to be able to to get sober. But I mean, if we're starting from the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I didn't have a fucked up childhood. Like, I think that's quite common in addiction and so on as a coping mechanism that you go into that. But I was a super anxious 
overthinking child and as most people will know who know me as an adult that hasn't changed much the, the one thing at home though alcohol was normal very normal i suppose i had middle class alcoholic parents you know it's all right for them if you're drinking red wine and three bottles of it that's fine because it's not white label vodka or whatever you know and they functioned they still went to work and everything so kind of high functioning alcoholics yeah especially my mum always alcohol with meals always alcohol with celebrations it was just like everywhere never saw you know there was never a time where there was no alcohol in the house Mm -hmm. so i suppose i kind of didn't make me like give me the desire to drink but it made me kind of like think well this is fucking normal everyone must do it yeah second Um, nature and then like yeah no trauma as i said except for i mean i got bullied to shit at school and catholic school so you know it was super fun what were you bullied for I, i couldn't imagine you being bullied quiet geeky smart kid uh. i also uh, also the way i spoke i know that's not yeah sounds true but i, I was considered kind of posh compared to things like this grew up in a kind of rough cockney mm. type you know cockney town and stuff mm-hmm. and so uh i've got a neutral accent so that makes you a target but i don't know i think i just was a magnet that was all from around the age of like four until i left school right you know, I just, yeah, I just couldn't see, um, you know, I couldn't see him as being one to be picked on. He's too cool. Hmm. <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. Right? I, 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 grew, I grew into my call. Yep. There you um, go. Yeah. Now the world finally but, uh, caught up. That's what happened. It, yeah, exactly. That's the way Everyone I like is fucking it, behind. It, would, it has nothing to do with me at all. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, super low on confidence and like self-worth and all that stuff. I mean, I think one thing you can say about my journey is that, as I said, it's not necessarily about trauma, but like it's definitely reflective of how mental health can impact addiction mm-hmm. because I definitely, a lot of kind of missed, well, yeah, misdiagnosis is missed kind of, yeah, since, since a really young age of like not people, me and people not noticing that it was definitely clearly there were mental health issues in there that kind of sent me in the direction I ended up going. So, I mean, my teenage experience was just like everyone else's, I think, in terms of, you know, started drinking about 14, uh, 15, way you kids do with skateboards in a car park and stuff, drugs around and things as well when... I was that age you could get away with being in a pub back home in England at like 15 and like drinking nasty stuff, like super high volume white cider and mm. cider as in alcoholic cider. Because we just call cider cider. Yeah. And then it's apple juice otherwise. Yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, just shitloads of cheap beers and stuff, mm-hmm. held tons of parties or whatever, experimenting with things. But it was a binge lifestyle really then. And I don't think I would say that I had a problem in that respect then. I think it was just, it was a pretty normal kind of world. I think, yeah, going into adulthood kind of things definitely changed a bit. Yeah. I think my mental health was definitely getting worse. Big problems with depression and you just kind of, bit of escapism so alcohol and drugs became a big thing drugs became the thing that i uh certainly mainly party drugs anyway but became the thing that gave me like momentary happiness mm-hmm. like that happy feeling i couldn't feel normally so it's like why not fucking do them because a calm down's as bad as i feel anyway the alcohol mm-hmm. was just kind of like to to block the noises out but mm-hmm. i would say definitely my big problem started 
when I was around 21, 22, when I became a nurse. The thing about nursing is that if you care too much, it'll be the death of you. Mm -hmm. And like, I definitely took every single fucking horrible moment home with me every single day. Um, and I was doing like 15 hour days and whatever, and it was just too much. And so like, it's such an unhealthy world to be in. I wasn't eating, surviving on like sugar. Um, and then having to see people die and having to tell their families and all this stuff and like never been able to do enough for people. So I get home too tired to cook, you know, too tired to like do anything, you know, or lazy to cook, just no energy. Yeah. So eating did come in and instead I just crack open the booze, you know, it'd be beers, it'd be wine, it'd be whiskey, it'd be whatever was there and a lot of it every night. Then it just became habit. That, that's when a habit started forming, mm -hmm. you know, um, I was, yeah, using that to, yeah, to yeah. keep my stuff. At that point it became, you know, right off the bat, something to look forward to something to, you know what I mean? Especially with all the, all the trauma you were experiencing in your career, uh, like that. I mean, that's the only light, you know what I mean? A lot of people, uh, in those situations, you know, you know, comfort. it becomes, it becomes the comfort, it becomes the light, you know, the, the goal at the end of the day. Right. And, and the thought releases that dopamine and exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Uh, it, it kind of weirdly helped me function, even though it wasn't fucking good for me and it wasn't good for my mental health, but neither was what I was doing during the day. So it was just like, yeah, an old balance. And then it hit the point where I'd like had a breakdown, one of my many, but, um, and, and left nursing, but I didn't leave the drinking behind that kind of was still there. And there was still like, yeah, indisparent drug use and stuff in the cocaine and speed mainly. That oh, stuff kind cocaine. of that kind of helped like made me function really gave me a confidence that I didn't really have and then makes it worse when it goes off and then you go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, I suppose at that point I could you could say other than the breakdown, I was like a functioning alcoholic, easily hidden. At that point I wasn't drinking in the mornings or anything or sneaking anything. Um it just was just kind of like, yeah, it was definitely big time in the habit. And I suppose I needed to, I needed to feel numb really that just carried on. And then I kind of worked in events and I worked in the booze industry. I became a gin expert, but also like I was a cocktail bartender or whatever, all these things or just working in pubs. And I was just around alcohol all the fucking time. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep absolutely. Oh yeah. Now I know we've he touched gravitated to what you knew. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I know we've touched on this in um, other times you stopped by study hall, but now from a, like a religious standpoint, right? Did you, I know you said you went to Catholic school and everything, but did you carry any, was there any crutch or resources that, or, you know, fellowship that you had in any type or were you able to find solace in any, anything like religion, um, throughout, you know, your early twenties. And as this started to begin, definitely atheistic by the time I was eight, nine, I kind of thought this, this God is, it's, it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make sense. And like, the hypocrisy and everything, it was like clear to me then. And that carried on and that carried on through fucking school where I got called the spawn of the devil by my religious education teachers and stuff and like <laughs> whatever for questioning, for, for questioning things. But I like, I, I knew I was certain by the time I was like, yeah, eight or nine, there was no God and I'm not going to get anything from that and the hypocrisy. And I, I think that kind of fueled a lot of, 
confusion and anger, certainly like in my teenage years, being surrounded by the kind of religious aspect. And I think definitely in Catholicism, that idea of guilt being constant, you do have that, yeah, the ingrained Catholic guilt, even if you're not religious anymore, <laughs> you know, um, that you've always got to say fucking sorry for something and everything's a sin. I mean, granted, you know, there's the whole, oh, you say sorry and you'll be fine, you'll get into heaven or whatever, you know, the whole conf- conf- confession bullshit, but... No, uh, that's that's yeah, exactly was, why I brought that up. Um, just simply because, like, without having that crutch and you know, you know, coming to those conclusions, you know, in your teenage years, especially during high school, mm-hmm. um, you know, you do get labeled, and you do, and like, just I think you said exactly what I wanted to say. It fuels confusion and anger and emotions that are, you know, th- those are these are still like the latter part of your developmental years, and so you know, you will be ingrained by that, and you're going to carry that shit with you. And not only yeah. like, you know, I, in a very similar situation, you know, I was a rebel, I was an anarchist, uh, you know, all of that. I was a fucking heathen. Um, but yeah. that in itself, not, you know, completely denouncing. I was passionate. I was young. I was stupid. You know, fuck everything. Fuck religion. Fuck fellowship. Fuck community. All of that. I don't need anybody. Um, but that does nothing to help, you know, not in those years. In, in those years exactly. <laughs> and, and, and it's, I just, you know, there's so many of our listeners that we've spoken to, um, you know, people past share their addiction or just personal journey stories where just when things go awry or you know you you realize that you know there <laughs> there probably isn't a fucking god and you know we're on our own here in those developmental years it, it definitely does not make it fucking easier to cope with whatever else life throws at you when we, when we become of legal age i mean especially if you're getting picked on in, in school and then you go home and you're dealing with mom and dad or just mom being whatever like it's that's a lot that's a lot to throw at a yeah. kid yeah i mean especially yeah, somebody could, who i'm guessing is very empathic like you seem like you take everything in mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean i have to say i think new metal has done more for me than the catholic church ever did <laughs> in that respect yeah. you know i i, I got at least like you know it was able to 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 vent through teenage angst mm-hmm. in the normal way than opposed to like finding any sort of safe place within religion um because i it, it was never safe it didn't feel safe and yeah to that. um so yeah. i i give absolutely zero credit <laughs> or like yeah it, it never never went that way and that'll uh i suppose come in later with um in my sober journey but in terms of the next bit i think we can fast forward a bit i mean um to my maybe kind of one of like my worst times really and that's been in like the past three years basically yeah my wife got pregnant and that was an amazing thing but my brain couldn't cope so it was kind of it turned me into quite a selfish and kind of very confused person i mean i was no good to my yeah i was no good to my wife um i was shit at helping out um and i think that deep down it it was me being afraid of being a father and but more so being a father and a failure Mm -hmm. and you know um and however me thinking that would just reside to me being a failure you know um it would make me kind of follow a lifestyle that would guarantee I would be a failure um, or be, you know, a shit at things. Um, and I fucking drank and drank. I would drink 
in the morning on the way to work. One thing about Germany here, instead of chocolate bars at the counter at the supermarket or whatever, you've got little bottles of spirits. They're like mm. one euro. You've got like 100 mils. I don't know what that is in ounces, but um, yeah, kind of four big shots of, of booze and stuff. And you could sink that in less than 10 seconds and you could top yourself up during the fucking day yeah, at any point. Mm-hmm. So I was going to work and I was drunk. When I needed to not be drunk, then I would buy cocaine to kind of level me out again mm-hmm. and then kind of keep going. And I don't know how I functioned. I don't know how I got through that. I don't know how I didn't get fired, but it was really, really normal. And But it wasn't normal at home. I'd go to the supermarket, I'd be, oh yeah, volunteer to go to the supermarket so I could pick something up, drink it on the way back home, on the way back to home, you know, so on and so forth. Like lots of secret drinking then. Mm-hmm. Couldn't fucking hide it. It was getting out of control. I mean, when my son was born, there's a lot of things I'm ashamed of from around then. And I know that you shouldn't necessarily throw in shame with addiction with certain, you know, certain, you know, generally it's not what I believe that people shouldn't feel ashamed. But I think as a father, I'm fucking embarrassed about the first certainly six months of my, my son's life because I was drinking and blacked out. So instead of my wife and me taking over to look, look after him and stuff, she would have to look after him for like a 24 hour period because I passed out, you know, drunk and stuff or just got to the point where I couldn't speak. I was in my own, I was just consumed by consumed by the alcohol and I completely dismissed them and that's not that i didn't like you know it's not a case of not loving them but i was just consumed in myself you know i'm very grateful for them both um i think they've been a huge part of my sobriety as well it's hard to do that That, that's kind of hard to admit you know um I, i i completely understand um that's you know in you always hear in in the the aa rooms before you find you know something that you actually help get sober with um, that, that our stories, we all find, you know, we all think our stories are unique, but they all connect in, you know, in some sort of way or another, you know, you know, you're yeah. talking about how it really took off when you found out about the pregnancy and all of that and, and being scared to, to be a failure of a father. That's really, I mean, I was already in the depths of my addiction. I had just been clean from cocaine for about a year at that point but i was heavily drinking still and that's you know like i had found out i was becoming a father but i didn't find out she was eight months pregnant she didn't tell me because we weren't together yeah i mean i know that i'm still like a 36 year old teenager really and so it was kind of i think my idea prior it was like oh yeah the day i'm a dad i'll sort myself out i'll be fine i'll be you know like that's it (laughs) everything will change and it didn't Um, and I was fucking scared. Um, and my brain was going a million miles an hour. And like I do, I just, yeah, overthink everything. I mean, I think I, I definitely, I I mentally destroyed my wife. I mean, we're over here in Germany. Our families are back in the UK, not really having anyone, new child, no support, like people to look after him other than us. And I've left her on her own. As I said, I think that addiction element is down is heavily connected to my mental health, but then they just become massively intertwined. You bat from being an addict and then the addiction makes your mental health worse and your mental health makes your addiction worse. And then Mm -hmm. like it goes on and on and on and on, and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. It was, 
yeah, a really tough time. And like the time before my son was born, that's when, so I was still drinking, but that's when I stumbled across Satanism. I think it's always been something that I've been interested in um, since young, but I was kind of, I don't know what it was. I just kind of got drawn into it and started searching and felt kind of for the first time, I kind of, I belonged somewhere. I mean, I was, I think, always looking for something that gave my atheism purpose and reasoning, mm-hmm. you know, like, and I, I love, I love the theater of religion. Yeah. yeah. I love oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. I love ritual and I love the imagery and stuff and, and that kind of thing. And I think maybe that's one thing that religion did give me is kind of the kind of grand, you know, yeah. It's pretty fucking cool. Right. Right, you know. Love for iconography and oh, ornament, yeah. man. A, predis- Absolutely. Feels, a predisposition yeah. to theatrics. It fills that void. Yeah. yeah. And if there's one thing you can give Catholics, they know how to fucking do imagery. So, oh, um, hell yeah. <laughs> Especially, yeah you're, um, in the, you're in the heart of it right now. Like the yeah. German abstract expression. Oh, my God. Man. Oh, yeah. Some of the Jesus <laughs> stuff over there is crazy. Church tax. Yeah. Yep. Church tax. <laughs> Church tax. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but saying that in Berlin, you've got all the Protestants, the Protestant stuff, and it's not nearly as impressive. All the nah. good stuff's in Bavaria. <laughs> but um, so, from a timeline perspective, how uh, how much sooner before you found out you were going to be a father did you find Satanism? I would say probably about six months before. Okay, and I think it was that's when I started like really properly researching and got kind of my head into it, and I think hyper focusing, <laughs> and then it was the next summer that I discovered you guys. I mean, I'd been listening to like Black Mass Appeal and stuff prior. Yeah, I'd be pretty much right from the beginning. Um, so listen, and uh, it was actually a big comfort hearing you guys and talking about, and it being so personal and personal experiences, it was kind of then that added to my kind of sense of community and kind of hope in terms of like sorting myself out. Living in another country without that support, as I said, you kind of, have that lack of companionship and, and friends unless you're kind of young, free, single, childless. <laughs> yeah, no, I, trust me. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So you, you had mentioned that six months after, you know, for the first six months of your child's life, that that's where you, you really were, where when you referred to the shame piece of it, I'm curious as to what the catalyst was where you decided to, you know, apply yourself, you know, realize you needed to get back on path. Yeah. I mean, it, it was actually probably in about another six months after that, it was near, just before a couple of weeks before my um my son's birthday you know i don't believe that people need to hit their rock bottom to get back up and to to get sober i don't think that's a necessary thing but that's what happened to me so i thought i was doing okay that's i think the addict in me telling me yeah you're cool man yeah you know everything you're, you're sorting this out and i just went overboard and my wife had enough she was like you need to do this or you're out that you you'll won't be able to see my son um until i'd kind of yeah basically i destroyed enough by that point um and i knew there's been threats of that before because of my behavior like in the past but like i knew when i got to this point it was serious it was and then november 6th the day before drinking a ridiculous amount and taking a fair bit of coke that was, yeah, the last time I touched anything. Now, it was horrible at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'd lost my crutch, you know. I did very soon stumble and found the, a massive amount of support in the satanic community 
but especially in its kind of reasonably early days of server faction then um before it really blew up I'm not saying not in that hipster i was there first kind of way but you know it was like uh, <laughs> uh, oh no we yeah. learned that we learned a great deal about sober faction and how it how it happened i mean they right. you know um priest joe d and reverend john eldridge really painted the picture um from the I, initial idea all the way to and what it's become is just unreal oh yeah and i think i know what yeah. you're talking about you, you I, I think i remember seeing you there uh you were in it before satanic temple actually picked it up when it was just the sober faction exactly yeah i really needed that kind of positive world okay so you know one of the things was like you know i need to be proactive or my wife at the side was just telling me you've got to be proactive mm-hmm. you got to do that you know do something so I did the typical thing of the fact that the only support out there generally is AA. Um, now I'm trying to get sober in a pandemic, which is not fucking easy either, especially when you're someone like me who was a home drinker. Mm-hmm. I don't need to, you know, um, so yeah, I, uh, kind of, yeah, thought, okay, I'll try this AA thing from the very beginning and I didn't just judge it on the first time and I know it's fucking great for some people and it does really help some and I will never knock people who get sober in that respect but yeah I, I just thought yeah this is not for me the god thing comes in very quickly kind of out of nowhere as much as they try and kind of say that it isn't and it felt a bit like a cult no, you know is. there's a lot of repetition there's like a lot of things about guilt and shame and I put enough guilt and shame on myself. I don't need other people doing it Thank for me. You. Through Sober Faction, just finding a community that if people do relapse and, and things like that, there's no shame. It's like it's part of your journey and it is part of your journey. There's nothing to be ashamed of. If you're then reaching out afterwards, then you're you're getting somewhere in your journey. Even exactly. if, yeah, it doesn't matter what day it was. So, I mean, you know, I just slipped into it um, and it just all started making so much more sense. And um, I would say that even if I wasn't posting, I was reading. And I think a lot of people have this experience is that it made me feel like I wasn't alone in what I was going through or been through. Yeah, it, it was it was eye opening. And it's been like a huge, huge, huge part um, of that journey since. Um, now, what I did realize is that stopping drinking alcohol didn't get rid of my mental health issues. Mm-hmm which I think shows you that, yeah, I was just doubling my problems before with the alcohol, but well, I was numbing them. I think Mm -hmm. in some ways I became more of an arsehole afterwards and I've had a pretty fucking rough year in terms of that. I mean, as we said at the beginning, I ended up being admitted to, you know, a psychiatric ward because my depression and a load of other things just got so bad, got so bad. But then I've learned so much since then. I mean, I'm in the best place I've ever been now, but Dennis can relate to this as well. And I've learned so much fucking from it is that I got, diagnosed with yeah i've been i had undiagnosed adhd this whole time and in adhd you're 60 percent more likely to become an addict oh, yeah. than a regular person um because you are on a dopamine mission all the fucking time <laughs> because you don't get it no, you so don't. so you're, you're finding it so anything that can give you that that little high and stuff and i think i talked with the doctors about my drug history and i was like yeah i used to take speed and cocaine or everyone else is getting high as fuck and i just felt like it made me normal right and they were like <laughs> I, 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 and you know i could think i could focus and they were like well yeah Way i mean better that's a huge again, adhd symptom yeah exactly that's why they give you amphetamine <laughs> for the thing in terms of like yeah my addiction journey i mean even my kind of reliance on things like sugar or whatever and, and whatever mm. 
like it, it is, as I said, I haven't had that traumatic life and I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm chemically, I've got issues <laughs> or right. neurologically or whatever. And so I think it shows that addiction can, it's not anyone's fault. I don't think addiction is anyone, everyone's fault. I mean, you can find reasons as to why you start to do something. I think for those people who are kind of in addiction and lost in respect that, I mean, I hate when people say, oh, you've got so much to live for or you've so much to be happy for. That just makes you feel worse. It makes mm-hmm. you feel guilty. Um, but that some people, it's like it's not your fault that you've become addicted to something. Unfortunately, it might have just happened. You know, it was going to happen anyway. Well, you know what I mean? But yeah, it, it, it's it's I, I think there's too much too many people play. Oh, you know, you should never have done whatever, you know, taken this in the first place or taken that, you know, or, you know, trying in the first place. Well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have. But you're not doing that thing because you're, you know, for a laugh necessarily right. when you're addicted, it becomes like necessary. And other people have got the, uh, you know, the power to not mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. There's no shame. Right. Don't hate yourself for, no. for being an addict um, because it's a, it, well, addiction is a disease um, and it's not a choice. Like loads of fucking ignorant people say, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you choose to be, to be that. No, it, it's like so much deeper um, and if you're one of those people who says that shit, then you need to go and get a fucking education. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, get fucking work. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. 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 There's a whole one. And, you know, the fact that people forget that there are so many other addictions out there as well nowadays. And I think, again, with me, like, finding about the ADHD thing, you've got, like, addictions to being in a fucking relationship. You've got mm-hmm. addictions to, you know, computer games is coming up more and more now people that you know genuine problems in terms of breaking away why people like maintain these kind of emotionally destructive behaviors and things mm-hmm. so i think the world of addiction is getting bigger maybe than it was before okay. and i think the state of the fucking the state of the fucking world is gonna make more mm-hmm. and i don't see the world getting any better any sooner so <laughs> i think the journey of getting to know you through our discord server um, and just general back and forth, you, you have, you know, it's why you're, you know, our <laughs> number of the bistro are, you know, our satanic <laughs> chef here. When, when did you start or when did diet and the things that, you know, and when did you become more mindful of, you know, that process and how helpful has it been for you in regards to, you know, being healthy and, you know, taking care of your body to help, you know, that journey, you know, move along maybe a little quicker. Yeah, I mean, I think since being sober, definitely, it's been it's been a distraction, a good distraction. I would say that, like, I'm someone who likes cooking for other people, um, and so I eat much better if I'm cooking for other people. It's definitely really helped me f- kind of focus um, and enjoy something um, and distracted me. But I think since the past few months when I've been on, like, and yeah new therapies and medication and stuff in my head. I think now um, I'm much more conscious about the healthy aspect. So I think before, you know, it, it was always about nice food and be that healthy or be that not healthy at all. And now I think I am not as dependent on the shit anymore. Um, and I think a lot of people might find that when they kind of get into the right state. Cause I think when you first become sober, that shit goes out the window. Health is not, you know, it's not about looking after your body. It's about getting mm-hmm. through, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think now it, it's actually taken me up until quite recently to really focus on the healthy stuff for myself. 
yeah as opposed to other people as i said it kind of blows me conscious so um i'm i'm glad that you said that yeah and i think the thing about definitely a mental health and addiction it's always easy to give people advice but it's fucking hard to do it yourself Mm -hmm. so i i think that's the thing like with cooking i can tell people how to eat and cook well um and i know that and I'm, I'm i'm now at the point where i can maybe lead more by example because i think the thing about addicts is we're very good about making it a, not about us it, it's you know focus the attention the other way so yeah right no one no one questions you about these things yeah i mean but what i love about the satanic study hall community and the sober faction community well i think the satanist community in general is um I think I found somewhere where I think from the very beginning, you could be honest and that kind of shame went out the window. Um, and I think that's the, one of the biggest things about getting sober is having people you trust around you mm-hmm. because you spent an entire lifetime, not trusting people and sure as hell, not trusting yourself. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I am. Cause when I say, when I, started getting more kind of vocal and involved with you guys. I mean, I was still drinking. I was still in my addiction and with the discord and everything. And, and like you guys personally and everyone in the, um, in the goat farm, I mean, I always had somewhere safe to go and always somewhere to, to kind of distract me for want of a better word from, uh, from having a drink or for doing anything stupid, mm-hmm. you know, you know, even though, you know, it's kind of faceless and most people are on the other side of the world and things, there was always kind of that space to to revert to. And the same with, with Sober Faction as well. So I think I have to, yeah, definitely thank you guys for helping me get through and kind of get to this point in my journey now. And that's one of the kind of leads into the next question I have for you is with the Sober Faction specifically, um, I know a lot of people, it, it's there, it's there, it's always there. It's a 24 seven resource, uh, for people to reach out. Um, but on top of, you know, outside of some of the things that you've been able to pull out of the sober faction for your own recovery, um, is there anything that stands out or an interaction, you know, that can remain anonymous with the no names, but is there anything or a story that stands out where you found yourself, you know, impacting, somebody else way more than you ever realized was possible um, in these interactions online? That's a good question. I think the thing about, I think sober faction, I think that so many people come together that it's actually hard to pinpoint that, that one thing, because I know with my experiences, when I've put kind of times I've been struggling on there, it can just be one little phrase just turns around your day. Mm. you know and, and makes you think it's just one little you know just to hail you you know and you know and and basically yeah i, I would love to give like a more concrete example because i'm sure there are many um, that, <laughs> that, that i can't get but i i do think it is just the fact that i've read so many stories that are similar to my own and so many that are completely different but everything is treated in the same way so i i do think just that kind of we got your back attitude. It's like, we're not going to do it for you. You can do it, but we're here for you. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, if you need, and I know with someone like me, the reason I haven't got very far in a lot of things uh, in life is because I've got away with someone else doing it for me. 
Attention staff and students, this is your principal with your daily update. The Satanic Study Hall podcast is not affiliated with any other podcast or organization. None. Zero. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast are ours and ours alone. Thank you. Hail Satan. Well, let me jump in. Let's swing it back around to the goat farm for a second and and, and how helpful it's been towards everybody. I actually, while we've been sitting here and listening to you talk, have reached out to the goat farm and I've kind of farmed some questions from them. Uh, I've got two. I've got two for you from some very close people to you. Uh, Damien wants to know um, what were or are the biggest challenges you've had with becoming sober? Um, they said, you know, it would be great to understand people's journeys more with this. And thank you for very much for opening up. Well, it's my pleasure, Damon. Um, and yeah, I, I would say the biggest struggles, as I said before, have been the mental health that goes around, uh, came, you know, went around my addiction. But stopping drinking and taking drugs and stuff didn't get rid of those things. So I still had to battle on. And actually, I think what the biggest thing is, facing my fears mm-hmm. i think that's the biggest challenge i spent i think so much time drinking to ignore right that it got to the point when i stopped that i had to face my own problems mm-hmm. and that's the fucking scariest thing to do to know that that works ahead of you um yeah the biggest challenge and i think that probably would have been the thing that made me fucking fall back into a bottle or whatever um, is to run away again, right. which I've done too many times. But there was a, a <laughs> few things that you said that I would like to go over, um, which is great because uh, you brought up one thing that I say all the time about trying to be in recovery without superstition. Um, and you were talking about being an AA and it's all, it's all guilt and shame and guilt and shame. And you're right. It's that guilt and shame is what's going to drive us back out to use. And you need to remove that from the program to be able to progress towards that sobriety. And I love how the sober faction has stepped in and really tried to focus on that. And, and it's more about celebrating your accomplishments in sobriety than it is dwelling on what you did in your addiction. Um, yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's great to see that, you know, like you, you personally were able to pick up, pick up on that and be aware. And you were, it, it seems you were really not only just in your thoughts, but aware of your thoughts as well, which is a great place to be. So I, you know, like I said, I love that you picked that up and then you were able to find sober faction from that. Um, you know, a lot of our stories always end up in those fucking big book rooms and holding <laughs> that blue piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> um, um, but from there, you know, you went into it to, to it about being mental health and, and, and being this disease. And you always hear all the time, oh, it's not a fucking disease, not a fucking disease. Well, you know what? Fine. Don't call it a fucking disease. Call it a fucking symptom because it's it's all it is. It's a symptom of something bigger. It's You have these mental health issues. And like you said, you, you stated it perfectly. You're trying to numb it and forget it. So when you do find that sobriety, you're faced with all of it because that's all you've been doing is you've just been running away from the problem, putting it off. You've been you've been the the, the the most professional procrastinator that anybody could ever fucking be is, is the addict it. Like, <laughs> so it's like yeah when you find that sobriety it's it's a fucking rude awakening and it's scary as shit i think you have got to like treat addicts like children mm-hmm. respond to reward you know um that's why that's why you you know 
from a chemical point of view, dopamine's a reward. So if you reward people by making sure that they have credit for the work they've done, then it goes so much further into like making you better mm-hmm. because you want, because then you, then you want to be better because you're getting something from it. Um, but if you do the opposite, then you'll just slide, slide down. Right. Right. Oh my God. Could you imagine if I got a banana sticker every time I walked in a fucking room? <laughs> <laughs> so as we begin to wrap things up here, I do have two final questions. Um, the first one is, you know, one, someone asked me, um, a couple of years back and I always like to go back into my head. So what would today's Pete tell 22 year old Pete during those long ass 16 hour shifts when you were going home and just drinking the pain away just to rinse, lather and repeat? Um, what do you think would be the crucial words to offer if you were ever had the opportunity? Hmm. Well, choose a different fucking career path. Um, <laughs> but um, I probably would have told myself, you are enough. Who you are is enough. It's awesome. And Beautiful. that, yeah, you, yeah, you're pretty decent. And even though you don't fucking think so. And it'll be a lot of work to get to the point of thinking that. But yeah, deep down, yeah, you're enough. And this is why I love you and Thank can't you. wait for our cuddles. No, that, I mean, <laughs> that's perfect. And, and just like you said in those sober faction interactions where maybe one just combination of words can help make your day and help get you through a moment, um, something as impactful as you're enough or you matter or it's going yep. to be okay um, definitely uh, can make a world of a difference. Um, and I would say at this point, uh, you talked earlier about ritual for my final question. Um, is there anything that helps you? Have you incorporated uh, ritual, whether it's, you know, reading over the, I think they're pillars in sober faction um, uh, during challenging moments, or even, you know, a ritual that that's become part of your daily routine that helps you stay focused, that helps you push through and, you know, keep, keep moving forward that you could share with our listeners as maybe um, options or ideas for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I do certainly read through the, the the pillars and so on, and 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 have done some ritual uh, from that, and that that really does help. I mean, I've I still, I mean, I still struggle on the mental health front and things. So, in terms of motivation, that can stop me doing as much as I would like to. I think on the ritual front, but what I'm trying to do now mm. is I sit in front of my altar and I try and write a little mm. bit about my feelings and stuff. Not much; doesn't need much. Mm-hmm. I've also got uh, a little box that I made with a sigil of Lucifer on it that I just write down every day one thing that I appreciate. Beautiful. That's um, awesome. To fill it up and then kind of just like a little box to concentrate on something positive because what I've really tried to do, I think, recently is flush out as much negativity from things as possible mm. because I know how wrapped up I get in that. So instead of me concentrating on the negative, which I've always done, I just a little bit of positivity every day. And I mean, that literally will take a second. Sometimes it's really hard to think of what to write, but it makes you think. Right. And then specifically putting it on my altar gives it a kind of energy point, like a focal place. So I don't open that box and I don't, you know, I don't go through things or whatever. 
um, necessarily, but it's just that thought at the time goes in there. So, yeah, I, I think that's been that's it's a relatively recent thing, but um, it has felt to concentrate on the positive, and I think that's what I think people going through addiction and mental health journeys as i said not in the way that it's like oh you've got so much to be happy for but if you kind of search for some positivity somewhere even if it's small like a cup of coffee or whatever or you know something to be something to be positive about i think if you can aim towards getting there and not just simply do it because it's not as easy as that but i I think i think that's really helped me recently yeah and i love that you're doing the the writing every day uh it's something i really have to get back into um man i'll be honest with you i feel like a lot of us share the same story. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's been amazing getting to know you um, throughout the goat farm and like, you know, responding and reading your story and all that stuff. And it's, it's just been great, man. Keep it up. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, at the risk, at the risk of quoting those other assholes, it works. If you work it, keep going back. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, man, power to you. You're doing fucking awesome. And you said a lot of really inspirational stuff. And And then I'm right right there with Sean. I'm right there with Sean. It's been an honor to, to meet you, to know you, Mm -hmm. uh, to continue to get to know you, uh, your artwork, uh, some of the artwork that I've seen recently, um, like it, it really, it touched me. It was emotional. Just the perspective, you, you just putting out what you, what you, not only what you're seeing, but what you're feeling like mm-hmm. in the art, uh, fantastic. You know, all the work you do with keeping, you know, helping us keep, you know, the goat farm community moving, uh, all the inspiration through your meals and all of the beautiful place that you've shared and just how supportive you've been with our entire community. Um, whether it's, you know, encouraging or holding people accountable. Uh, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you're, you're a pretty fucking cool dude, my friend. Hell yeah. 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 Well, I, 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 I give what I get, man. Uh, and I, I do have a, uh, yeah, it's one, one of my last things to say is, um, Hail fucking Pearl Jam, motherfucker. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Oh, no. Just blasted people's ears with and fuck, fuck you. fuel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> fuck Pearl Jam. Yeah, fuck fuel. You know what? I'll let you have that one today. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you. You can, you can have that. I'll take that and I'll wear that badge with honor today. This has been fucking fantastic. Um, and we're going to just expedite the ending of this because there's no reason to elaborate. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this impactful powerful journey um once again dennis thank you for all your work sean you as well always a pleasure to have you in class um and of course pete uh i'm excited to see uh progress and definitely keep us posted like as you always do um we wish you the best on this journey um and you know hail you for all the progress yeah hail that you, you have made months, dude. and hail you months. oh yeah and hail my fucking self as well yeah. that's Damn right, fucking straight. right. Damn fucking right. straight that is right so on that note heathens uh we are going to wrap it up the bell's about to ring um huge shout out to everybody who continues to support us on patreon um everybody at unconvention everybody on the goat farm we're going to end it on that. It's been a blast. Hail Satan, everybody. Hail Satan. And hail, hail thyself. Satan. Hail thyself. Class is dismissed.